For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Suppose for a moment that today someone said to you that they were going to give you all the money you need, including the taxes, so that you could build your dream home. Now, uh, maybe you're living in the home you really like and all you would want is a really good remodel. But maybe you've always dreamed of building that home in the mountains or by the lake. Maybe you've always dreamed of building a house uh, for your kids and grandkids with a mother-in-law suite. Well, so you could all live together but not breathe down each other's necks. Big, small modern, traditional. Just imagine for a moment that you could build that dream home and not cost you one penny. But of course there is one small catch to building your dream home. And that is this, that you've got to do all of the work by yourself. Oh, oh yeah, you can include your immediate family, but you've got to lay the foundation. You, you've got to do the drywall, the plumbing, the electrical, the roofing. Suddenly, the home you're in is looking pretty good. Because it's one thing to want to build your dream home, but to have to do it all by yourself is impossible. You see, we live in this country with this illusion of self-sufficiency. We have this idea that we never need to ask anyone for help. Maybe someone in our immediate family, because that's what a family is for, is to help you. But, but no, 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 I would never. Oh, Coral, I'm not going to ask you for help, because you know what? I can, I can take care of things on my own. We live with this illusion of being self-sufficient people. But it doesn't take much for us to poke a hole in that and see that, you know what, when I go home today, I'm going to be able to turn on my tap and water's coming out. I'm not self-sufficient. I didn't dig a well and, and, you know, put a pump in it. There are so many things that we take for granted that give us this illusion of being self-sufficient people when, in fact, we're so deeply connected in so many ways. And this is, in fact, what Paul is often trying to tell us. He's trying to say we actually need 
one another. Whether or not we think we do, we very much are in need of one another. And so Paul, here in the letter to the Romans, uses this imagery of being one body. Now, of course, he also uses this in 1 Corinthians, and it's a common image uh, that was used in the ancient world, and Paul is taking it to apply it to the church. And he's saying, you know, in the church, we're like one body. We need all the pieces and parts to be working and contributing. I have to tell you, if, you know, today you have a pain in your little toe. Now, most of us are going to go, Alan, it's just your little toe. Come on. But you and I know if that toe is hurting, if it's throbbing, if you can't walk right, the rest of your body is going to be out of whack. Every part and piece of our body, it is his little toe, every part and piece of his body needs to be working together to be healthy. And the parts and pieces aren't interchangeable. What the toe does is not what the heart can do. You know, suppose uh, we said, oh, we're going to have a swap out for a week. And George Burton is going to be the pastor for a week, and Elaine is going to fix everything in the building, and she's got to change out the pump in the boiler room. You are in trouble, body of Christ, because Elaine cannot change out the pump in the boiler room. George might be able to preach, but I'm afraid he wouldn't want to do it. The body of Christ needs every person to do the part which they are gifted by God to do. That's how we are stronger as a community of faith, is that we're sharing what we are good at with one another. You understand that. But the reason that I chose Paul's passage in Romans, rather than the more familiar one that's in 1 Corinthians, is because of the message that Paul is making here in the book of Romans. Now, you have to understand, uh, of course, that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. The churches in Rome are Jewish Christian churches. Now, remember, Paul is always writing his letter to particular people in particular places with particular problems. And the issue in these Roman churches which were not founded by Paul, but he's on his way to visit, the issue is this. They're Jewish Christians, and they're telling the Gentiles, yeah, fine, you can come into our church, but guess what? You're going to have to take on our cultural practices. You're, you're probably going to have to, you know, wear your head covering and observe the law. I don't eat shellfish, and, and you may need to be circumcised, but no big deal. So, Paul is saying, look, those are cultural things, right? To, to be Jewish wasn't just a religion, it was a culture. And he's saying, you know what, the Gentiles do not need to do those things to be welcome. They don't have to become like you to be welcome. They don't have to take on your culture to be welcome in the body of Christ. And, you know, let's face it, we have repeated that kind of thing for generations. Look at Native Americans. They couldn't be Christian unless they cut their hair 
let go of their traditional ways, change their clothing. But Paul would be saying they don't need to do any of that. They don't need to look European to be able to worship Christ and be part of the body of Christ. And we have to ask today, who is it we do that to? Where we're like, yeah, come on in the church, but if you do, you're going to have to be like us. And all the while, Paul is saying, no, that's not the truth at all. Now, what's interesting here is this passage on being the body of Christ comes in chapter 12 of Romans. And I didn't read the part that you all know so well, which is where in Paul, just before this, says, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And then he goes on and says, hey, don't think of yourself as better than others. And then he says, we're all one body. I think that Paul here in this passage about new life in Christ is trying to say some really important things about what it means to be the body of Christ, to welcome others, to be in relationship, to be one people that is made stronger by the gifts and graces of everyone. Now, the first thing is this. The Gentiles for generations have been the enemies of the Jews. Remember that they were that the, that the people of God, the Jewish people, were always told, you've got to stay away from them. They'll corrupt you. And now they're being told, no, bring your enemies close and make them your friends. Make them part of the body of Christ. And the only way to do that is not to conform to the culture that's always said, don't like those people, be uncomfortable around them. Make distinctions. I read uh, a book uh, recently, well, it was just published. It's called Stranger Care, and it is a memoir by a, a woman who made the decision with her husband to become foster parents so that they might adopt a baby. And so much of this book, and it's really, it's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting book, much of it is about the decision to become foster parents, the process, which is not an easy one, to become foster parents. Uh, they're turning down a couple kids, and then finally they get a phone call that there's a three-day-old baby girl at the hospital, the mother can't care for the baby, and they run to the hospital, and the moment they see baby Coco, they fall in love with her. She is a beautiful, small, beautiful, happy baby. And they begin to care for her as if she were their own child. They love her so much, but of course, if you know the foster system, the biological mother has rights to see the baby regularly. The biological mother can go to all the medical appointments. The biological mother is to be informed of everything that's happening with baby Coco. Foster mother doesn't like biological mother, as you can imagine. 
She thinks she's got too many problems. She's not capable of taking care of this child. She's had addiction problems. She's, you know, been with the wrong guys. She doesn't have what it takes to be a good mother. And so foster mom begins to hope and pray that biological mom won't make it that she won't be able to get her act together and that instead they will be able to keep and raise baby Coco. But somewhere along the way, spending time with biological mom who is nothing like her, foster mom begins to realize that they're kind of in it together and that if the goal is reunification, having a friendship with biological mom is going to be for the good of Coco rather than trying to push her out. And eventually, sadly, or happily, as you may view it, baby Coco is returned to biological mother and breaks the heart of foster mom. But she has now seen that what it means to be family is more than just this small group, and she's going to do her best to support that baby and her biological mom. You see, we can make others into people we don't like, people who don't meet our standards, people who don't live up to what we expect, or we can build relationships with them, learn who they are, learn to love, and learn to help one another be stronger. I think this is part of what Paul is getting at in this passage, but I think there's something else that Paul is really trying to say here as well. And that is, if you look at the fact that there are Gentiles, people who are not Jewish, he's saying they also have gifts and graces. He's saying we are all created by the one true God. We are all made of the same atoms and molecules. He didn't know that. We know that. We are all descended from the first people. We are all children, brothers and sisters of God, whether or not we recognize it or, or not at this point. We are all connected by the very hand of God. We need one another. It's not like we can say even this. I have no need of you, moon. I have no need of you, sun. I don't need you, trees. I don't need you, bees. I don't need anybody. I'm self-sufficient. But the truth is we are already woven together in this universe by the hand of God. And when we talk about building the kingdom of God, I don't think that we actually need to build it. I think God has already given us the kingdom of God, and we need to learn to see it. 
Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is near. We are already woven together by the hand of God. We are already related one to the other. We need, as Paul says, to be transformed in our minds to see the connections that are already there instead of breaking them apart. And so Paul would tell us the church is our learning laboratory. Together, we who are different and not biological family learn to love one another, learn to care for one another, learn to share for, with one another. We can see the way that God has woven together the universe and then we go out into the world to help others see that God is already here, that Jesus is the head and that we already or woven together, whether we like it or not, and learning to live in love is our goal and our calling. Foster Mom, in her book, says this, and she says it about Coco the baby. She says, you baby will teach us that family is everywhere, well beyond the cul-de-sacs of our narrow minds, taking the edges of the ideas we have about who can be loved and who belongs to whom and stretching them wide. People of God, that is the message of Paul. It is the message of Jesus. We are one family, and it is ours to learn, to see how we together are indeed the people of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.